0: Direct from Fort Meade, Maryland, this is DinFos Live.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of DinFos Live. I'm Chad McBean, I'll be your host. Today we're going to be talking about visual storytelling. and I have two rock stars in the industry, instructors from across the road, Shane Bowler and Tommy Gilligan. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today in studio. Let's go ahead and grab our seats. Um, Before we get into the the questions, let's do some quick introductions. Um, Just tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do at the schoolhouse across the street.
2: My name's Shane Bowler. I'm an instructor over at DINFOS. Uh, I teach the intermediate photojournalism course i uh, come to the course with uh, about 15 years experience and so it's exciting to come in every day and teach you know, students you know what I've learned you know, in the industry. Um, I've been there since about late 2019,
3: so I'm coming up on three years.
1: Okay, very good. I well, appreciate you coming in. And Tommy, how about you?
3: My name is Tommy Gilligan. I've been teaching at Dinfos now for about six years. Uh, before that and currently, I've been working for wire, uh, the wire services for about 15 years covering news and sports. And it's really cool being able to not only stay in the industry and see how things are doing but seeing how people are going about covering everything and bring that into the classroom the next morning. So it's a really fantastic opportunity.
1: Very good, good balance between, between the two of you and a wealth of knowledge for sure. Well, thanks for coming in and with us in studio as always, Sergeant Ben Whitten, he'll be taking your questions online. Um, so if you have those questions, please send them in. Uh, that way we can get them, we'll answer those on air. Uh, it is live uh, in the truest of sense. Uh, So, you know, we'll try to answer those first, and then Mm -hmm. I have questions, obviously, I'll ask too. That conversation will continue, so if we don't get to them here, uh, I'm sure you guys will spend all of your weekend hours uh, answering those questions uh, that people might have in, Mm -hmm. looking forward to that weekend. That's great. Okay, so let's get into this a little bit. Let's go back, like, history of storytelling, right? 30,000 BC, I mean, that goes back some time, um, with the hieroglyphics and writing on the walls and telling stories of hunting. So the technology has changed, but the basic sto- principle of storytelling ha- has remained the same. Uh, we just have different equipment. Um, so we're going to get into that a little bit. You both said you're IPC instructors. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about you know what what your focus is uh, at IPC, and I guess what a student should expect.
2: Sure. F- For me, uh, the things that I teach are you know videography, you know shooting video, um, as well as uh, sound. You know, bringing sound to bear and using uh, using it to elevate a story. I also teach a lot of the technical, you know, the edited, editing edited process. But um, I also uh, put a humongous emphasis on the pre-planning and the researching and the knowing your story before you go out and just hit record and start...
3: Collecting your story.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in a little mm-hmm. bit, for sure. We'll get definitely into the into the planning. What about you, Tommy? You're more on the on the photo side. Yeah, I'm more on
3: the photo, the tech side in terms of camera operations. It, it's not the ability of just being able to go out there and shoot something and saying, "Oh, this is really nice," but it's the instilling in the idea of the student that not only what are you shooting, but what are you trying to shoot and convey a message with that. So, through a litany of different technical, you know, aspects, it's being able to use it. Fluently while you're on the job and not just by happenstance make that photo
1: sure and Of course now the students have the ability to look at the back of the camera mm-hmm. So knowing what you want to do and then make the camera do it without mm-hmm. cheating uh, on the back I, I, I learned on Nikon FM2, so I, I definitely can relate yeah. <laughs> there was no cheating uh, back then so but it's interesting You know what how, how we do that even a drone footage or whatever? I mean you can look at it live so you can see the shot um, whereas you know those weren't things that were possible, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So um, so talk to me a little bit about, I guess, what, from the audience's perspective, right, what do they want to see now as technology changes? What do you think from a, you know, what, what does the viewer of the products, what do they expect in, in a story?
2: I think sort of what most people are looking for, you know, goes back as far as, you know, the, the caveman drawings. You know, they're looking for... Conflict, different kinds of conflict and resolutions. They're looking for answers to questions. They're looking for um, community. They're looking for inspiration. They're looking for uh, sometimes it's just entertainment. Sometimes it's just a laugh. Yeah. But it's uh, that. I don't think that's changed.
1: And all of that can tie into history.
2: Uh, absolutely.
3: Yeah. Because uh,
1: obviously it's archived. Just right. no, no different than <laughs> the cave walls. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it just yeah. goes to you know the archives. Uh, anything to add to that, Tom?
3: I think the the one thing people are looking for and I'm always looking for as a, as a viewer is to be able to read something simply and be able to understand it and be able to gain that information without having to go to six different stops trying to find it.
1: No, good points. Good points. And there's a lot of competition out there. You want to talk a little bit about that? I guess what you're competing attention. It is
2: unbelievable. I mean, I often, you know, think and, you know, hope to convey to my students, you know, they're, they've been on the digital treadmill since they were kids, you know, and, you know, byproduct of, you know, the way that we consume media, all the places we consume media, the phones, the tablets, the TV screens, most, most, every home has a TV. Most of them nowadays have two or three, you know, which is, you know, different from maybe, you know, my parent, you know, when my parents were my age. Right. You know, so there is just, Information and stories coming at us all over the place and they come quickly and so our attention spans are shorter because of that So I think that that has sort of uh, you have to understand that and you have to consider that in the way We shape our stories you want people to watch the stories. You're telling so you have to kind of
3: Remember, you know kind of what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: I, I think a lot of it comes down to the idea of like years ago We could pull a retraction Right? We put something out there, and it's bad information. We make that mistake. Today, we're moving so fast, and it's—it doesn't matter if you have to go from practice to work to pick up the kids to so all these different things. You see it once; it has to be factual. And so, like, I think that's a big thing of being that having that information out there immediately. So.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It really ties back to our first episode, we talked social media, but, you know, not only is it important to have it factual, but because now, even though if you put it out there, you can delete that post, but it has been screenshot. Mm-hmm. It lives forever, mm-hmm. and will be, you know, changed into probably a, a false narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point, and, and like I said, see, you're starting to see how these shows come together. Yeah. We talk about subjects, and they all kind of make sense and tie yeah. into It's the new archive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, so let's talk about, tr- I guess, trends. Um, what, what do you see in trends in storytelling? Um, you know, has, is, has technology changed the trends? Or do you think the, the, you know, I guess the viewers, um, the way they digest information, do you think that has changed trends?
2: I think on the viewer side, again, it's like the technology. You know, we can just watch videos and read stories and look at content everywhere. Yeah. Um, in our, it's in our pocket. We carry it with us. As far as like on the production side and the crafting and shaping a story, I think a long time ago you had your, uh, you know, your audio guy. You had your videographer. You had your, you know, director. Someone who's in there maybe conducting the interview. Um, somebody, you know shooting video, somebody, but now, I mean, the technology, you know, you, you know even if you're using a standard DSR, you can put a mic on it, you can put a light on it, um, you, know, you can carry it around. It's everything's so compact and works so well together, you know, and then the way you can just get all that media off and put it on your laptop and edit it in the car or edit it in a coffee shop and zip it up. Uh, it allows, you know, speedy productions, you know, don't need a whole crew anymore, and then you can edit that thing and beam it up to wherever you want it to go so quickly. You know, get your your story, your message out, you know, in the blink of an eye. I think that's where the technology has made it a game changer for both the audience and the creator. Sure. Tommy, what do
3: you think? I think technology plays a, a lot of different realms, right? Depending on where we're working in. But the one thing technology has really allowed us to do is really tell the, the show the imagery that is intended. So we have the ability now to somewhere at 20,000 ISO and produce an image that can be seen to be storytelling. So it's understanding where this technology is going and being able to fundamentally use it into the traditional sense to make that quality, that the content and the quality that much higher. So that's where I see it.
1: So as you guys are talking and I'm kind of thinking through, you know, not just the technology but the gear.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: you think about like the gear and not every... Sh- Every base or unit or station shop, whatever you're, you know you're, you're at, not all of them are created equal, right? Some mm. have huge budgets and they get it, and they, they have you know quadcopters or you know what whatever. Um, do you think the story, and we're going to get into the planning here in a minute, but do you think the story dictates what what kind of you know visuals you're going to use? Like, are you going to use a time lapse? Are you going to use some aerials? Are you going to use you, you see what I'm saying mm. like or emotion? In like sunsets or rain, does that all go into it? Like, do you guys get into that?
2: Absolutely. We it, so yeah. you can
1: take your time. <laughs> yeah, I mean yes. the way you
2: know, we, how are you going to show the thing you're wanting to show? Every every frame, every photo, every video, every sound, everything we want, we want to have intent. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, you know, one of the things is like you said earlier is like you know, if you're a storyteller, you're in you're in you're you're up against some heavy competition. You know, so, you know, are you going to go do a story about something, you know, that somebody else has done already 10 times in the last couple months? You know, so how are you going to show it differently? How are you going to make it different? How are you going to make it stand out, stand apart, maybe be better? You know, and I think uh, it might be a little all over the place, but with the technology and stuff, it's just so important to not, you know, we're talking visuals covering a story. You know, I I hate the word B roll, it just seems like, you know, interchangeable and nonspecific and, you know, lacking intent you know so I think you know, we want our sound bites we want our images our video clips to have stopping power and I do think that some of the technology like a drone shot the, the the it's got some instant stopping power yeah. but if mm-hmm. you use it over and over you know, if you rely on it you know, the extraordinary suddenly becomes wildly ordinary so intent you yeah. know and uh, you know use it purposefully but uh, again you know we talk about it all the time I think he and I are the same of the ilk that. You, know, you don't need the new toy, you don't need the new camera, the new anything. You know, I've gone back and looked at stories from the 70s and 80s that still have, you know, they're still powerful. You know, sure. and they were shooting on, uh, you know, some pretty old gear. If you know, know, you know how to use your gear, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
3: okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, having all these toys, having everything else, they're wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I would love, personally, have 15 of the new Nikons, 15 of the new so- Sonys. But until we truly understand how to really use these toys, it's, it's keeping it clean and simple. And then when we have that awesome drone shot, it is really impactful because it's once, and it's there, and it's exactly the way we want. It's not shaky, it's not bouncing around. Yeah. So that going back to the technology, the advancements have allowed us to get really cool stuff, but keep it simple and clean, and show what it is instead of going with you know, crazy pans that don't bring us anywhere.
1: Yeah, throwing everything at it yeah. and hoping for something and said, you know, throw it all on the wall mm. and see what sticks. No, no, that makes sense. So, going back to, I guess, to my original question of trending, um, you know, I ask what the, the mm. popular trends are. Um, so, I, I kind of am curious where would a person go to see, like, what are there sites that you guys use to pull, you know, mm-hmm. or there, you know, are there places you can go yeah. to? To, to find out what's hot and trendy right now, or like what, or do you get audience yeah. feedback? And that's kind of a lengthy question, but.
3: No, I, I think it kind of starts just being who, I, who we are, um, being immersed in the business. So mm-hmm. first I think where we start seeing things is where we go out and we're doing our shoots ourselves, and we're not just sitting back. And we're talking to people who are doing this every single day, every single hour. So with that, you have a baseline of maybe photographers, videographers, or audio people that you really like. If you don't have that, you know, go to your favorite social media site and look up the great news packages, the Washington Post, Nat Geo, LA Times. Start looking to see where they're, like, that's what I'll do. I'll start looking to see what their photographers or videographers are doing and start going in deeper dives to see, like, okay, hold up. They tried this last night at the Olympics, and we'll go back to over -hmm. the summer, and seeing all the amazing imagery they were doing about it, and seeing how different agencies cover the same idea. So for me, I, I normally go to, for example, Instagram, and then I'll backtrack, reverse engineer through the photographer to find out the other cool things are happening in the world right now.
1: Oh,
3: cool. You good with that? Yeah, they I mean, just, you know, kind of looking, just, you know, looking around,
2: you know, hitting, hitting up YouTube, you know, Vimeo, looking at your social media, looking at what's popping, but just looking at through that, you know, kind of filter of like, ah, I see how they did that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I like the transitions. I like the shot sequences. Yeah. You know, just kind of using the basics and looking at it and like like uh, Tommy said, kind of deconstructing it and stuff like that. There are there's a million websites you can go to. I think Pixel Art is one I go to. I, I go to Creative Live, and I can watch a lot of live uh, um Features on storytellers and stuff like that, but there's so much it can get confusing. Yeah. But I really think it's just kind of keeping your eyes and your ears open and looking around and seeing what's what's popping. You know what people are reacting to.
1: So you both mentioned the how they did it, mm. and I think that the one thing that we might have skipped just a little bit is why.
2: Mm-hmm. Why
1: did they do that? You know, so not only the technical aspect of how to get that shot, mm-hmm. uh, but but why was that important to the story? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here, mm, which sure. I think is, is pretty important. Um, so th- tell me, is there, I, I want to know if there's like a formula that you go into, and we're kind of getting into the planning phase, which has been important, you know, I mean, it's important in PAG, it's important in, you know, all, all, all public affairs planning. Um, but. Do you think there's a formula that's kind of a cookie-cutter thing? Um, and and I, when I think of mm-hmm. this, I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, does news have a different... Do you take a different approach for news, like timeliness, do you, that kind of stuff? Or do you tell it a different way than a feature?
3: I, I think at first it would probably depend on what medium we're looking at. Are, are we talking about the single image or are we talking about a news package or a... Multimedia piece that extends to three minutes, so each product will take a different approach to it. So, yeah. I think with when you start doing the idea of packaging and what what's the simplest way you're what is, what are you trying to convey in that message? Right? Um, you want to jump in on this? Yeah, I think you know no matter what it
2: is, if it's an image that you're trying to convey, a story through, or a video, or a multimedia piece, or just a written piece, you know. I think, you know, you start with the basics. You know, you want your story to have beats. And the most simple beats are a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, and after you're comfortable with that, sometimes it's not, you know, the beginning, hey, we start at the starting line, and we this is the journey to the finish line. Sometimes the story is the journey. So maybe you start with the end, and then the rest of your story is how we got to that end, yeah. you know, and stuff. So you can be creative. But I think it's really just about having a focus. The formula mm-hmm. is having a focus, understanding your beats. And just being concise and clear in those beats and not get lost in the sauce and create some meandering kind of thing, because once that starts, uh, your audience is uh, is going to leave. You know, we're talking about competitive storytelling, they're going to leave your story and go check out the next one. Yeah. You know, the formula, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's different. You know, like I said before, did 10 people already do this story, did they have a formula? You don't want to follow that formula. You want to mix it up and make it unique and new. Yeah. So. Uh, think outside the box, but sure. be clear and be straightforward with your audience. Don't don't create some Rubik's cube where they're going to get lost. Because once they're lost, they're gone. They're not coming back.
1: Yep, uh, absolutely. So this is this going to be more for the video side because I'm going to yeah. talk about audio. How important is the is the sound is the you know the audio that goes into a video package? How important is that? It's in so important. Telling?
2: And I'm like still. Coming off, uh, you know, my excitement—I I don't want to say the word high. Uh, I did my audio lesson yesterday with our current students, there and you just see their heads going, oh, like, buying into it. Audio is so important. Uh, you know, audio can be dialogue. You know, there's something to—you know—you have somebody talking on screen, but they could have uh, uh, you know, be from Boston or they could be from the South, and you hear that—it speaks volumes about character. You know, just the sound of their voice. Yeah. Um, The audio can be sound effects, you know, when we're out in places, there is a cacophony of sounds, a soundscape everywhere we are, whether it's a bowling alley, a beach, What are some of the other wonderful examples. Uh, Um,
3: Cicada summers. Yeah, uh,
2: (laughs) cicada season in Maryland. There's a sound, and when you're putting up visuals and you're putting up, uh, you know, whether it's a still or a uh, video, um, and you put those sounds that we all know. And we can all relate to. It draws our our audience into the story, it gives them a sense of realism and dimension where they're they're in the story. They're not like on the other side of a camera lens and ten feet to our subject. They're in it. It gives them a real uh, relationship with the location and the scenario that you know the backdrop of what your story is. Yeah. So I think sound is wildly impo- important. I could go on about it forever. Yeah. Music, you know, emotional cues. Uh, foreshadowing, you know, if, if used properly, um, kind of keying in the audience to kind of like the mindset of uh, you know your subject using you know sounds. It's, it's incredibly powerful.
1: Interesting. Now that's some, that's some good stuff. You, you yeah, know, I, I think
3: the the one thing as a photographer, I, I take from sound is, I look at a radio growing up listening to the music. You can listen to really good music, and it paints a picture. As soon as that static comes on, you change the channel.
2: That's a you know a huge part of our story. You know our, our our course a huge lesson we instill in the students early on is that uh, your imagery can be a little off. I mean we strive to you know teach students how to create you know super well composed and exposed shots, yeah. great imagery. But if your imagery is off, your audience will stay. You know bad imagery but strong audio they'll stay. Crystal clear amazing shots but bad audio they're out. Audio. Yeah. Uh, really drives the story
3: so yeah and you sum it up it's just that idea if you can listen to listen to it you can paint a picture in your head and you can fill all those holes I don't care how amazing a photo is if you're putting in a package and that audio is awful it's a it's a game-changer and people are swiping and going to the next thing
1: yeah no, I'm, I'm I'm guilty of that yeah and I think it's very very true across the board so we've been chatting for a while. I want to check in with social media. So okay. and and what uh, we got anything coming in over there,
0: question-wise? We do got a couple of questions Sweet. coming in. We got this one from Thomas Yates. He says, are there some mistakes or overused techniques that people will use in their visual storytelling? Uh, yeah, there you yeah. go.
2: Um, I, to me, there's this short list of what uh, separates an amateur from a professional. We're not an amateur, uh, amateur look to your videos to a professional. Wildly overused pans, tilts, zooms, uh, too much uh, handheld video. Um, Everybody thinks they can, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people think they can hand (laughs) hand hold their camera and it'll look fine. It doesn't look very good, you know. So we we put an emphasis on put it on the sticks or, you know, we also do teach them uh, some tricks on how to really kind of, you know, balance your camera and not make it jarring and shaky. Again something as small as a shaky shot, it's jarring, boop, I'm out. The audience is gone so we want to shoot cleanly.
1: I've been watching Friday Night Lights. And it drives me crazy. They're out of focus blur and the shaky camera. And I'm like, come on, man, just just tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I, you can I know do, I'm supposed to be in the room with you.
2: You can do a rack focus and stuff like that. And they're great when they work. But if they yeah. don't work, you can't rely on it. You yeah. know, really, I mean, if you ask any uh, describe, you know, Mr. Bowler's lessons in one word and I'm just emphasizing restraint you know don't go don't go for all the bells and whistles yeah. and the whiz bang and <laughs> just cuz you like can that. do it doesn't mean you should you can exactly but you can yeah, do exactly. those things but with intent yeah. you know we teach them when do you use a pan you know and not just like zipping around the room you know or you know the scene <laughs> but like i i'm doing the pan because i want to start here and i want to end here yeah. and when i end here i'm showing the audience this thing yeah. just it has to have intent if it's just it's 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 not good.
1: Yeah. Time I mean again. I think
3: one thing on the still side you see a lot is everyone will shoot super bokeh because they think extreme depth of fields are amazing. Well, all you're doing is isolating an item in that person at that time. While that photo is super cool, what's it saying? So just I think for that side of it, it goes across the way is just because you can do it as you were saying, doesn't mean you should do it. Yeah. What actually helps the story, not take away from the story. And I think for young, young storytellers, that's the harder thing to figure out, that just because it's a super cool technique, I'm actually hurting the story doing that. So restraint is an awesome word.
1: You brought up a good point before we got started and you were talking about wedding photography and yeah. I immediately think sometimes you gotta show the venue. Yes. It's not mm-hmm. just the bride and groom. Sometimes you have to show the venue mm-hmm. too. So that's where you need all that stuff in focus. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's great points. So, wedding, do we got any more?
0: Uh, we do have another. I just okay. wanted to add my, my little two cents on the restraint thing. I remember I was watching a movie the other day. I think it was it was the first Thor movie, and there, half the shots were Dutch angles, so all it did was just give me a neck ache by the
3: end of it.
2: And, uh, yeah, that, that makes me think of that. Uh, you just made me
3: cry. I cried a little bit. There you go. But
2: that being said, there's a place and a time yeah. and a message for using that Dutch angle, so use it strategically and purposefully, Sparingly. and then it, it matters, it matters yeah. to the audience, you know, you're conveying something through this, hopefully they're getting it, and it's, uh, you know, and it's an extraordinary, yeah. you know, moment. Yeah, yeah.
1: Good examples, I mean, that I think helps put perspective to, mm-hmm. you know, the viewers too, so.
0: Alright, what's, what's our next one? Uh, next question is actually, we have, are there any outdated techniques that you still see people use that you know, they were once the go-to way to go, but not anymore.
3: I, I think from the one thing I see on that is transitions and the way that people edit. Um, I think there's a purpose probably with a lot of stuff that's traditional and if you want to call it old school. But I think the way we tradi- like people are editing and cutting now, I think some of that has gone away. Um, not to make fun of the style of Ken Burns, like if that's, you're just putting on a hitting auto and saying, hey, this is our piece, don't care what happens, yeah, stuff like that needs to go away, but I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, and I, you know,
2: something that I see that's pervasive out here in social media are these like YouTubers or streamers or these digital storytellers, where they're just talking into a camera and it's like jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. You know, they don't take advantage of that second camera angle to cover the edit. They just edit, 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 and I think that is a uh, fast-paced, moving style of edit that just sort of speaks. It's testimony to like what I said is our shrinking attention span. We don't have time for the. The lungs and the breaths and the beats between sound bites—they just I struggle to follow it, but admittedly, it's out there, it's working, it's got viewership. People are into it.
1: Ultimately, it's changing how people digest media. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. it's changing how we receive information, so that when you do have a well thought out and like a little more, you know, breath in a story, people are like, "Come on, man, get to the point," you know. So. That hurts me a little bit because sometimes, especially emotional stories, they need some time. They mm-hmm. need some pauses. They need those moments where, you know, they're on the verge of, you know, starting, uh, you know, maybe it's emotional and they're about to, you know, break down a little bit and they shed a tear. You need that pause. Mm-hmm. Don't cut that too short. So that's no, that's good, good advice. Good stuff. Any more starting with Because I got a lot I can go into. Right,
0: well, we got a couple more. We right, have. Let's do
1: one more and then I'll, I'll ask a couple.
0: All right. so we have how important is photo and video documentation when trying to combat
3: disinformation oh um i'm gonna take um pass on that one for we, one no, reason honestly oh. we don't
1: have to answer it here that's yeah. one we can go on oh, that's what i what think I we saying. might have more members of the team that can answer that one a little yeah. better um, you guys' focus is more on the visual and yep. technical side of telling the story that's more of a vi question, I think. Um,
3: uh, yeah, that's not exactly the realm that I work in so much anymore. So I, yeah, I would have to do some research to yeah. get right back on that one.
2: All I could say is, as you know, you know, content gatherer, you know, one of the most rewarding things for me in the industry has uh, been if I'm doing the story of a subject, you know, and I'm building a relationship with them, and they're sharing that story with me and trusting me to tell their story. They know I've got buckets of information. I'm going to go up and slice and cut it up, you know, for you know, to create, you know, uh, you know to present their story, you know. And I think just uh, as a photographer and a videographer, you know, and uh, you know, storyteller, just uh, respect that and cherish that they're trusting you and honor them. And the most rewarding thing is when I see somebody who's been a subject in a piece I've done say like, "That was really great," you know. That's and so that's it. I mean, I think you can just. Uh, you know, follow the ethics, have your own ethics, you know, be honest, and uh, you know, one of the things with sound is you get a big long 45 minute interview, you can cut that up and tell a whole bunch of different kinds of things. But be honest. Right. You know, represent your subject's message well.
3: So I guess that I would want to ask the person who ask a question. Are we talking in terms of, when you say disinformation, are we talking in, the normal pa world or are we talking outside the pa world like that's yeah. where i'm a little confused so it could be a whole episode yeah
1: yeah unfortunately if if you're watching please elaborate on that um we'll try to follow up yeah. someone from the, yeah. the Team, we'll we'll follow up on that one. So, I mean, we don't have to do it all right here. Sure. Um, So, let me get back into uh, just a little bit. Like, so all stories and all scenes are not created equal, um, right? So, if you show up and you're you're you know you're given a story to cover, uh, you've planned it out, and then you get there, and it's quite different. And I know this happened to me a lot, uh, because you got a vision of what you think. Needs to be told, and you get there, and mm. it's not that situation at all. Um, wh- what do you? How do you? How do you enhance that story? How do you make something out of what might not be there? Is there? I
2: have a great uh, uh, story. Uh, yeah, be honest. You know, we had a student who uh, went out last iteration to do an event piece, and they're basically going out to cover an event and tell us, you know, hey, what this event is about, what people are gonna do, and then we talk to somebody at the event and talk about, you know, hey, this is great, I'm enjoying myself because blank. It was a, uh, dog, uh, a dog adoption event, yeah. and uh, he went there to the event and there was nobody there. And apparently the event coordinators were horrible people, and they didn't have any vendors. They hadn't, you know, really kind of gotten the word out. Um, and they were, uh, they weren't kind. And so he called us and was just like, "Oh my God, you know, there's, there's nobody here. There's nothing to shoot. There's nobody to interview." And I was like, "Well, it sounds like you need to do a story on the world's most boring dog event. You know, like own it." get yeah. out there and like engage the yeah. one vendor who's trying to sell ice cream and just be like yeah this is don't a, make it it's something it's not not, not, not working <laughs> and so you know i'm not saying every situation is 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 like that but you know get creative like if the story that you were looking for isn't there that doesn't mean there's no story yeah. there you know so maybe if it's not a you know big story about a massive crowd maybe that's that one person that turned out you know what brought you out Why? you know you can just yeah. shoot smaller ask smaller you can turn it into something
3: okay. i think the first step is take a deep breath and just kind of reassess where you're at because yeah you walk in and it's like okay well it's supposed to be sunny today well it's raining okay well you still have to cover the story so how are you going to do that right and when you take that deep breath and sit back and realize what's going on and take that all in, then you can make some intelligent decisions on how to re- regroup on that. So that I think is the biggest thing is readjusting and going to your experiences of what you have shot previously to adapt to what's happening right now.
1: Okay. So a lot of stories are, you know, what we call must runs. Um, you know, they're forced down, they're they're things that are come up, you know. but. I'm assuming run sheet meetings still happen out there. People sit down, and they you know, and they come up with their own ideas. Where where do you recommend people go for those? I mean, we had we had the ability to go out and build relationships, you know, with units and people, and, and then foster those. You know, you had your beats and all that. But you know, now I'm kind of tying in the COVID situation, you know, with restrictions and virtual environments and stuff like that. With all that said, where do you think people can go? And uh, I, I, I made this a deep one. Um, where do you think people can go to find those good or great stories?
2: I mean, to me, it's just about, you know, it's this lost art. Like you said, this COVID has been going on for a long time, but it's about reengaging the world and just going out there and being in it and experiencing it and looking around and seeing what's going on, being safe, you know, but uh, going out and talking to people and, you know, start, you know, having relationships and, uh, um, you know, just kind of people watching, you know, just walk through the city, just look around. I think there's inspiration everywhere. There's great stories. Wow. You know, one of the, the, the things we try to impress upon our students uh, early on is when they arrive here, you know, from all over the world, um, they think they have to go to Baltimore or D.C. to find an excellent story. Stories are in the city, and it's like, psh, not a chance. I mean, there, there are, but you're gonna drive past 10,000 amazing yeah. stories on the way there. On the yeah. way there and, uh, you know, gonna put a little bit more, uh, you know, Mileage on the car in the process. Um, we've had great students. Uh, we've had students find stories in the detachment, find stories in the hotel that mm. they're staying at while they're here. It's just because they're coming and going and they're seeing people and they start talking and they start learning about you know that stranger down at the front desk or you know uh, we have had a student once that uh, stopped a maintenance man in the hallway and said like you know she'd been she'd been traveling the whole. You know, DMV looking for a story, and she wasn't. Uh, she was striking out, and she finally stopped this guy in the hallway, and said, "What is your story?" And his initial reaction was like, "What? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a story." And she just kept pressing him, and it, and it turned out he did. He had a pretty incredible story, a very touching story, and arguably like her best story yeah. in the in the course. Um, so stories go. are everywhere.
3: You just uh, you know be be open, be yeah. sensitive, yeah. you know, to find them. And I think if you're fortunate enough to be able to go out and find your own stories and it's not being forced down to you, what do you care about? If you care about something, you're going out and looking for something, go look for stories about things you care about, things that you're interested in. If you do not like digging ditches, and this is a personal story, don't go do a story on digging ditches because you're, it's going to show that you don't care about your work. If you're really into fitness and you're really into all those different aspects it's going to show in your work so those are the first couple things like if you can't if you have the ability to pick a story find something you really enjoy doing or something you really want to learn about because that way you're going to devote all your information to those little details of why is something that way
1: so we, we do have one more social media um, question I, I want to ask just one more um, just because it kind of ties back to something we were talking about uh-huh. a little bit ago because of all the um, you know the competition in stories and media and just everything life um, how, how do you how do you recommend that a person can get their story to stick out in all that noise How do, how do you get it to rise above and
2: <clears throat> it's tough you know to you know, With the whole internet and the web and the algorithms we were talking about you know earlier there's just no way to get all the data you know so and and whatever the algorithm is today right now you know in 15 seconds it's going to be different (laughs) you know so i think when it what you can control is just the quality of your story and just strive to tell a good story you know one thing you know first thing They used to say, I think you have like 10 to 15 minutes to hook in your, 10 to 15 seconds, I'm sorry, to hook your audience in. I don't think you have that long anymore. You have like three to five seconds. So, you know, impress them from the get-go and then immediately tell them the focus. You know, uh, tell them the question that you're going to answer. And uh, every single thing, every sound bite, every image moving or still, hang that off that promise. Stories need to be focused. We don't like to just sit around and hang out and meandering stories anymore. We want to get to the point. We're an instant gratification kind of society and stuff like that. So, promise me what you're going to tell me and start telling it to me. You know. So I yeah. think that that's how you can tell a strong story that can rise. It can be the cream. You know. If, like I said, if you're the eleventh person to tell that story, you're. You're hopefully yours will. Uh, uh, resonate with people more, get the most shares, the likes, the, the retweets. You know, I think that's where stories come to life is when you start that. You know,
3: process. You start yeah, to those find, results. Think of the word. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, you I mean,
3: I think it's just fine. It, some days you can do the same exact thing, shoot the same exact whatever, and nothing moves. And uh, then you just find something that's unique, and by putting out the unique. Then you start it starts getting some run and it, it doesn't have to be crazy it's just something a little bit different than anyone else and leading someone in um you know we're all different so we should all have a different start to our piece and kick it out that way so people can see it if i'm trying to do a story i don't want to do it like chad just did his story i want to see some of the stuff that you just did and bring that into mind
1: and put your twist. And, and put
3: your twist on it and yeah. hopefully your twist is enough they get those numbers. If not, like if you're in your shop in a smaller shop, pair up with big, if you're a carrier, call Big Navy and say, I have this story we're ready to pitch. Can we get your help? Can you help us push that? So again, that comes down to knowing people and working through the different chains of command to help you get your story out. Because the beauty of this, the military has got a built-in audience. And if it's good content, people are going to see it because they're dying for it.
1: Yeah, good point. So let's kick over to social media.
0: We'll take—I know we've got at least one. Um, yeah, we got one. We got one question that we'll came hit, in. Lay it on us. Uh, John would like to know, aside from just shooting more, uh, what advice would you give to some of the newer PA people, um, to, you know, to hone their craft in respect to storytelling and being intentional with their imagery?
3: So I think the first thing I would look at is get out of your fishbowl. And what I mean by your fishbowl, if you're only looking at what people in your office are doing, you're probably doing it wrong. If you're just looking at what people are doing in the military, there might be a better way to do it because the people who are doing it, who are civilian counterparts, there's so much other work that's fantastic. They're doing great work every single day. So if we're looking at great work and we're trying to pull that in and we see it, then we try. We start trying to shoot that way, so it's educating ourselves what great art is, uh, then going out and practicing it. And it's a really great point what the, uh, John said was, don't just go out and shoot. Go out and shoot with an intent, with an idea of something that you want. So when we start viewing all this great imagery, hopefully that will transcend us creating great imagery as well. Yep. Does
1: that transcend in the video
2: world. Yeah, I will? think
3: you know, just you know. Look around, learn things, you know,
2: from, you know, all the other the work around us. You know, look for inspiration where you can find it. And uh, after a while, you know, be confident and, you know, your style will emerge. And, uh, you know, I, I, have a, I have a big long story, but I'm not going to tell it. But it, I, you know, I tell our students, you know, 50 stories to really start to get a sense of, you know, what's working. You know, it takes a little while to develop your style and to, you know, get confident. And um, also, um, something else that just completely slipped my mind. You know, just trust in the process. You know, be prepared. Do your research. Know the story you're going out to tell. Just be as prepared as possible. You know, sometimes we have more time to do research and sometimes we have less. But, I can't emphasize enough how much uh, just doing a little research, a little Google on your subject or industry or whatever you're going to do the story on, how far a little bit of research can take you when you you know hit record and start working on your stories.
1: Makes sense. So we talked a little bit about before. You know, we went on air and we were talking about the importance of commander's intent. Like, who is the commander? Um, what, what do you think is more important, the, the commander's intent? Um, Or, or, or focusing on something that's going to be so powerful that you can submit and win Mm -hmm. Um,
3: awards—is
1: there a balance there, or do you push one aside, or
3: what? Yeah, I think you push shooting for awards aside 100%. If you're out shooting for awards, you're not shooting for what your job is. Uh, That will come with great imagery, being in great places, having great—you know—and what I mean, great, interesting backgrounds and interesting things happen. Awards will come from that. if you're looking more like looking for that, you're gonna miss so many great moments. So that's my thought behind yeah.
1: it. Yeah. No, no, I I a hundred percent agree. I do want to mention though, since I run the awards yeah. program. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the that's the full time gig. Well, hey, hey. So once I like your you jacket. get those yeah, yeah, hey, thanks. Once you get those phenomenal shots, yep. just look at the nomination guidance and yes. make sure that your products fit. But you're right. If yeah. you shoot with intent and you shoot amazing stuff then you just have to make sure like b-roll it's within the time constraint um, so we'll just kind of throw that out there for those because yeah. i do know acknowledging those who excel in our field is is very important and that's one oh, way. get back and just recognize like hey this was amazing and here's an award for right. it so don't shoot for it but it will come yes. I, I like that
2: yeah i mean i think you know first and foremost like i mentioned earlier honoring our subject story you know valuing that trust that they've given you and and then turning that around and giving a good product and representing them well but then there's nothing wrong with you know shooting for you know visual you know excellence Um, so when you can bring both together yeah I think that's award-winning
1: yep perfect good point okay so I'm waiting how we doing Any more over there I can keep going
0: Uh, we got one more okay we have uh, Levingston asks, can you speak to the importance of editing and sequencing a photo story to shape the narrative?
1: That's perfect with our commander's <laughs> intent.
3: So, in terms of photo story, I guess I'd probably know, want to know a little bit more what they mean by the word photo story. Um, because there's, th- those definitions are different everywhere you're at. Sure. Um, in regards to a traditional photo story, a key photo with supporting factors involved in that, does the, the, the supporting factor support the main photo? And if they don't, why is it in there? And that's the first thing. Every part of a photo, even if it's a photo story, if it's not adding to that story, why is it there? If, if it's taking away from, from it, remove it. So that's the first process I would start looking for. Is that photo story that we're talking about have a key photo? And once you find that key photo, that key focus, whatever you want to use for that terminology, you build upon that. Um, And again, it comes down to always looking when you're shooting, not just shooting wide, medium type, but giving yourself options. If it looks really cool right here, what does it look one degree to the left? What does it look one degree to the right? And by shooting those type of things, you're gonna give yourself options to have a better photo story.
1: The of
2: video? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think uh, you know we want our images to, you know, constantly be advancing the story, teaching, adding something new. You know, if whether media small, medium, or large, constantly be showing it to us. And then you know, again, you know, I thinking of video sequencing. You know, one of the things is like you know we don't want to show this uh, this bonsai tree for fifteen second shot. So you know. I will steal from the shot variety and, you know, go in tight, go in wide, pull mm. out wide and show these cool gentlemen sitting around this bonsai tree. You know, so shot variety keeps us engaged. And um, so, you know, when I think sequences, that's what I think, you know, just kind of shooting. You know, I don't want a different sh- shot of three different trees, but let's show the same tree, but just keep moving around, moving in and out. And, uh, you know, and as we move around this tree, we're revealing more about what's going on around it.
3: Right. I mean, you also can look at it as if you're writing, in writing as well, because any story, if you have the same word in a sentence multiple times, one, it can be removed. Two, it doesn't make any sense. So why would we have a similar shot back-to-back in the story? So that's that's a way to look at it as well, is do we really need that is? Is that the important in this sentence? If it's not, let's remove it and tell unique, compelling shots without having a word that's not necessarily needed. Makes sense. It's a perfect transition. It's talking about words.
1: How wh- how important, I guess, do you feel that the writing is to the to the storytelling process? And I know I know you're you're you know the subject matter expert, I guess, um, in the truest sense. is back at the schoolhouse. But if you could wouldn't mind elaborating, like how the words that accompany the photo or video, how important are those?
2: Well, I mean, the most common thing, you know, is the captioning. You know, one, it's giving, you know, sort of meaning and explaining, uh, you know, what's going on in the, the, in the image. It tells us, you know, the, all the, the, the five W's. And uh, and then, you know, if you go, you know, and ex- expand into that second line, it can give you some real backstory and some, some real, like, kind of, like, hidden gem, you know, kind of like called blue Blu-ray extras. And it can really, you know, elevate <laughs> what, the, what, you know, what you're seeing in the image, so as far as captioning, as far as like the multimedia pieces that we put together and the, the features, you know, well, all of our students do a video, they do a photo gallery, they do a written feature, but then they all combine it all into one what we call a spark page. And, uh, you know, there are things that you can do with a photo that you can't do anywhere else. There are things that a video does, but there's some wildly powerful things you can do with words. You know, we talked earlier about, you know, in a photo we can show, a subject. In a in a video we can show the action of the subject, but in the words we can get into the subject's mind and really, you know, kind of like explore their thoughts, their their motives, you know, their, their you know, their inner being, you know, and so words are powerful in that way. Um, and then, you know, just, just being, you know, descriptive, you know, and really kind of giving the essence of things. It's hard to tell you in a photo or in a video what something tastes like. You know, what's the temperature of the room? You know, in words, psh, right there. You can get right to it.
1: Yeah. You had mentioned like reading a book. It was the, the difference between reading a book and watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you really, a lot of people enjoy the book more because it's more descriptive. Absolutely. Um, that's interesting. Tell
3: me what you <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's just some stories are better for the written format. Um, that doesn't mean a visual story can't be done with it, but what, being able to package the two, I mean, when you start getting into history, well, we don't want to see, always use courtesy footage. We don't always want to do these reenactment type things. So some stories just lend to that. And some stories are fantastic through the written word that a, a visual story can never touch, so.
1: Good news is with the MCF graduates, I mean, they're built to mm-hmm. do it all now. I mean, really, so they should be able to write, choose mm-hmm. some video, do some, and they are that one person Putting all that together, and that goes way back to what we were just yeah. talking, you know, what is the timeline and all that, and if it's one person, and you get it now, that's part of your planning. It takes me to what I think is going to be my last question. We're out of uh, social media questions, but I really want to talk about the planning process. How important um, is that planning piece to the overall story?
3: So, I'm going to let you run this because this is your baby, but there's one thing I want to put onto this. Learn to Google. And the first place before any story that we start should be at our keyboard and just diving into what have people done, what is the information about it, and then I'm gonna let you take this because this is (laughs) your baby.
1: It's funny because you say, because Googling, I think, is a life skill in 2021 that Mm -hmm. you need. Going into 2022, if you don't know how to Google something at this point, um, I, I don't know how you'll
2: function in. My... Isn't it a verb, like in the dictionary Googling, now, like Googling? Yeah. <laughs> but
3: interesting thing <laughs> why you bring that up, though, about it should be something we should all do. When we look at technology now, and almost everything we're doing is app-based, well, how many times do we actually sit down and Google something on a desktop computer? So for us, sometimes, it, while we all find it extraordinarily valuable, it's something we have to actually teach at times of like, OK, just putting a word in Google doesn't mean you're going to get your set result. Sorry to go off topic on that, but that's a, it's, no, no. it's amazing, it's a skill set that I think has been lost a little bit. Yep.
2: So, for mm-hmm. me, planning is paramount. To, it's the first step to a successful story, and if you skip it, you've just really lowered the bar. You know, For me, uh, I try to impress upon the students, you know, okay, I want to go do a story on a cookie maker, There's someone that makes fascinating cookies you know, OK, well, what's going on in the cookie industry? If you Googled it and researched it, you'd find out that, uh, you know, the world is heading towards a chocolate shortage. You know, we are consuming chocolate faster than they can grow the cocoa bean, you know. And so if you went and sat down with your cookie maker to ask them a question, and one of your questions is like, you know, how will the, 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 the chocolate shortage affect your your industry, your business, they're, they're going to go, wow you cared enough to research and find out about my business. Yeah. I'm going to, you you've showed me you care, now I care, and now you've got my buy-in, you've got my commitment. And they're going to give you, you know, a, a little bit of a better effort. You know, And but then also it allows you, by doing the research, it allows you to kind of write your, you know, questions, uh, you know, better, more pointedly, and just, uh, you know, not tell some surface story. You can add some some depth and, depth and complexity, you can sort of, have an idea of like you know the the direction of your follow up question you know if they don't give you if you know they answer a question but there's there's a little there's some other information that you want you know, you you know because of your research that you can you know dig a little deeper so you reshape your question and you dig a little deeper but first and foremost to me preparation is about showing your subject that you care and getting their buy-in and you've committed to them and their story and they're going to repay that with their commitment to you and your project. But then I also think um, good research and spent, you know, finding out, you know, everything you can about your story and getting your focus and getting your questions right means a shorter time actually in production. And then, you know, an efficient, focused production and you collect all your media and then you come back and it just falls almost in place and in order and you can almost start polishing your edit from that point. you know you're not trying to extrapolate three minutes of story out of 90 minutes of footage. Yep. So I think that research is the most important step and if it done right, it leads to a very efficient and focused and uh, excellent production and post-production.
1: Fair enough. Gentlemen, I, I think I've asked everything that I, hopefully I got to all the subjects that, you know, or the or topics or whatever that uh, you think is important in this. I appreciate you coming in today. Um, we're not really on a timeline, but I think we've kind of exhausted, um, you know, the information we can pass today. Remember, the conversation will go on, as mm-hmm. I mentioned before. Um, we'll go online and answer questions afterwards. Um, so with that, I, I do have some administrative uh you know, comments and stuff yeah. we got to cover afterwards, but thank you guys thank for you. coming. Thank I you. appreciate it so much. Sergeant and thanks for taking those questions online. Folks, remember, uh, DINFOs is accepting nominations uh, for the Hall of Fame, the class of 2021. So this is the last month, and the last day for that is September 30th. So go to the link that you see right there, get online, nominate somebody that you think is deserving of that uh, honor. Next month's episode, we're going to be um, talking on October 27th. That's when we're going to meet to talk with the media literacy um, folks, or we're going to talk about media literacy. Uh, with the communication strategy officers from headquarters, Marine Corps, we'll have them come in uh, and join us here in studio. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Folks, that's our show for today. We'll see you back here next month uh, with the guys from the Marine Corps. Take care.